With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, is brought to you by Cinch by Amerigas. Check them out at cinch.com, C-Y-N-C-H dot com. They'll deliver a full propane tank to your home for just $10 using our promo code ITSLIT5. That's I-T-S-L-I-T and the number 5. Just $10. They'll take away your old propane tank. They'll replace it with a new full propane tank for just $10 using the promo code ITSLIT5. And by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up today using the promo code CROSSINGBROAD, all one word. Take a look at their excellent promos, their excellent deals, and what sports returning now is the best time ever to sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. And now, let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, it's Derek Graham. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're, you're listening, listening to, to Snow the Goalie. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear that? The angelic chorus is calling us in. Oh, we're a week away from hockey. Friends, we're almost there. You can reach out and touch it. The Flyers and Penguins are going to be taking the exhibition ice so soon. You can, you can almost taste it. Release your inhibitions. Feel the rain on your skin. That's right, a little Natasha Bedingfield there for you. And who's back? Guess who's back? Back again. And San Philly's back telefriend. There he is, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Philly. Buddy, hockey's almost back, and you're back. Yes, it's good to be back, Russ, after a, a very brief hiatus. Uh, what's that? Three weeks. It's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, Continue. Yeah, yeah. There were some things going on. Nothing with me, nothing specifically directly inv- you know, with me, but things that I had to uh, be involved with that kind of took me away from – uh, having any freedom <laughs> in, in the evenings to record uh, for at least two weeks. I, we probably could have done something at the end of last week, and it was just late in the week, and you were like, eh, let's wait till beginning of next week to put one out. And I was like, okay, great. So, um, so yes, yeah, so, yeah, but it's good. It's good to be back. And, yes, hockey is upon us. The season is upon us. Um, and, uh, well, not the season. The playoffs are upon us. And, playoffs? Um, playoffs. And it and it's it's really cool to be talking about hockey. And I mean, I was trying to think about. It. I was sitting here, you know, figuring out what our what our time is going to be like. You know, we haven't had any time together really. I mean, we've done the podcast, but you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure Nancy's loving having you at home and uh, around the kids all the time because you know I, you're you're 
uh, work husband has not taken you away mm-hmm. um, like I have <laughs> many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so we're going to start with hockey next week. And then we got the playoff run, however long that runs. It's, it's at least going to get us through three weeks of August at bare minimum because yes. the, round robin, the round robin takes like eight days, nine days. And then the first round of the playoffs is a best of seven. And that at, starts on August 11th. Give it starts the 11th, right? So you're probably players. looking like 11, 13, 15, 17. So we're, we're really looking at three weeks into the third week of August. Yep. That's if the Flyers completely – crap the bed and, and bottom out and, and yep. bottom out right okay so it's probably going to go longer than that so we're probably going into into september at Woo! least into Woo! Woo! who knows maybe longer um uh at the very at the very least there's a draft at the end of october after the stanley cup final mm-hmm. there will be a free agency period in november which we'll be mm-hmm. very busy with then we might get like a few weeks break there right around thanksgiving or so and then training camp part three will will start in December looking the, for a, a December season. season. Set to, to start around, what, December 1st, I think, is when they said yeah. the league calendar is going to start. Yeah. And it's going to be – It's nutty. Listen. Like, we're going to go straight through, man. Like, this is going to be a hell of a run. I wrote this over on the good old crossingbroad.com because uh, with, with the machine Kevin Kincaid out of town, somebody had to pick up the slack. And who better – than yours truly. I wrote this on the site though. Like there, there's the, uh, there's, there's this feeling of, if you look back at where we started with this pandemic and, and with everything kind of going to crap, what was it? March 11th, March 12th. Um, if you had told us back then, this thing is going to last and you're not going to really have the major sports back until early mid July, even for training camps. Do you think things go well? Do you think that, um, you know, people are going to make it that long. I think we both would have said that that would have been a pretty bad scenario to have to wait so long. But the flip side of it, of course, is we're about to enter a period of time that is unprecedented for sports. And I know that, you know, we always hate saying, in these uncertain times, and these are, this really is unprecedented for the, on the sports side. Now, now look, I, you know, we know this. I cover the Philadelphia Union. So, like, I, I still tend to lean and, and say, hey, MLS is back. And we saw international soccer leagues. They kind of laid the, the groundwork for the kinds of things that we might see in telecast now for the NHL, for the NBA, uh, you know, even for MLB and maybe NFL if that ever happens. But you think about it, we're, we're less than a month away from the NHL, the NBA, MLB, and, and well, probably, you know, the, the end of the MLS tournament and, and probably NFL training camps and NFL uh, games starting up. Like we're close. And you add into that, that UFC has probably seen a, a large, you know, growth in terms of of um, viewers and you know people that are betting on on uh, mixed martial arts. You look at the PGA Tour and the the kind of um, you know ratings that they've pulled in over this time. Hockey, in theory, does have the ability now to see a massive boom in their ratings, uh, not only from the perspective of the casual sports fan, but I think it's something that you and I talked about before, like. We are obviously sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, so you know use that promo code Crossing Broad one word and sign up and you know take advantage of their great promos. But like, there's going to be a large contingent of people who were otherwise casual sports fans who are now going to get to take in playoff hockey, which many people I think, even those who aren't 
the biggest fans of the sport in general will still acknowledge that hockey is arguably the best playoff and best playoff atmosphere in all of sports. You add in the betting angle and all of a sudden hockey in theory could actually see quite a boom here. And we're, we're weeks away. We've made it right. I mean, as long as things go well here and we don't see the world fall apart again, like we're, we've made it and we're so close Anthony, we're so close. We are. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want me to say, Ross? You, you, you've, you've got the, you know, you've got that excitable puppy attitude, which I love about you. I'm right? like a little kid on Christmas. It's a, it's or Hanukkah like- or Kwanzaa. We're not going to judge, but like, think about it. We've been unwrapping. You know what? We're going to say this is like Hanukkah, right? Because we're opening up small presents along the way. We had Phase Two. That was like getting a pair of socks. We had, you know, we had phase three, the training camps open. We got the first day. All right, that's the case for the Nintendo Switch. Then we had- Oh, you know, but then you see, but, but then you know, right? Then you know the Switch is coming. It doesn't matter. The it case can't ma- come first. It do- no, it has to come. It doesn't matter that you know what's coming. It, you still are just as excited <sighs> knowing that the big gift is on the way. No, the best part about yes. opening the big gift is not knowing that it's- big gift no that's christmas hanukkah is different we'll talk to all of our our you know uh lovely jewish listeners out there who can attest to this my friends let me tell you they will tell you that getting the small things that lead up to it while a bit of a tease you know that the thing is there at the end and that is quite the excitement and that's what we're looking at because we're we are a week away from that exhibition game hold on i gotta stop you night of hanukkah we're so close i I know we're gonna go on a hockey conversation here but i gotta i gotta dive into this Hanukkah thing for a second and I'm naive being not you know I'm I'm not Jewish so I don't have the answers to this I do have a lot of Jewish friends and we've talked about Hanukkah but never to this specific that we're going to do about to do right now Russ you mean to tell me that look I I get it like if you want to have like opening a gift that maybe has a clue to what the big gift is but doesn't really give it away that's that's okay but to really to buy the case for the for the you know the nintendo um switch that you're going to carry it around in that really makes the eighth day when you open up that last present kind of like like there's no surprise anymore at that point i disagree there's no surprise as somebody who wasn't raised jewish i have to say that i love the concept of the the slow build the slow excitement and then there it is anyway i don't know how we got off on that tangent well, no, because fine. i'll tell you why because we my why? family used to let used to let us open a present a, on christmas eve a present on christmas eve okay and i do remember one year where we accidentally opened a video game <gasps> not that not the big system but the game one of the games that were Pong. purchased yeah. yeah, Pong, right? Going back. No, it was for like a, I think it was for it was either for Nintendo or, or Sega. I forget which one it was for. But um, uh, we opened the game and we were like, well, we don't have the system. And so the next day on Christmas, when we got the system. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. We got the system. But that feeling, that excitement, that like, oh my God, I finally got it. Where is it? That Ralphie finding the BB gun hidden behind the corner um desk after he's opened every other gift that whole thing is lost and gone nah are you not a christmas story fan i hate that movie 
Oh my God, you're so I, bad with I, movies. I genuinely despise. I will say that since movies. being a parent, like I, I find more humor in it. My favorite is uh, the little brother with the arms. I can't yes. put my arms down. Like that's great. The movie as a whole, it's fine. You know, there are better ones. Fragile. Um, it's Italian. Yeah, okay, it's Italian. Uh, all right. So let's get into hockey a second here. Yeah. Let's can do that. I? Can I sit? All right. I don't want to go to war. I promise I don't want to go to war. I really don't. I don't. But I. I'm getting close to my, to my boiling point or my breaking point with the way that people are covering training camp. It's driving me a little bit insane. And, and I think you've gotten to experience some of it, so you understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. But, um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think I brought this up with, on the last episode. We had uh, NHL Rumors Daily on. And the NHL put this policy in place that only the, the beat writers who were at practices consistently throughout the season were allowed to go down to Voorhees to skate zone or, or to whatever respective training camp to cover. Fine. I made the point at the time that I thought that was a bad policy insofar as there are a number of reporters, at least in the Flyers market, that I would say are, are maybe a higher risk because there aren't that many young people who cover the team, if we're being fair, if we're being honest, um, and that they don't know how to use social media. In, a, in an effective way, many of them, not all, but many of them don't know how to use social media in, effect, in, a, in an effective way. And if you, as a league, are trying to get excitement out about your sport, you should want to have people who are down covering practices that know how to make the most of that. Um, and I even think of, you know, the Flyers' official accounts started streaming training camp, which was great. I don't think they were doing it right away, but I think there were enough calls for it that they started doing it, and that's, that's swell. But I was upset about that policy, but then we ended up getting in on the Zoom calls. And I started hitting my boiling point when I kept hearing the thanks for doing this and the the same like five questions. And it was the same kind of thing as like when the the media had access to players throughout the pause on these calls. And it, it was always like these questions that really aren't that beneficial or don't really give you any kind of insight into what's going on with the team. And that kind of thing started bothering me. So there was like that aspect. Then there was like the Nolan Patrick thing that happened when the training camp roster was released and Nolan Patrick wasn't on it. This is not surprising, but there were a lot of people, I guess, who had held out hope that he was going to be on the roster. And like, to me, it never made sense. But then there was this like, infighting that happened on Twitter where some people were like, well, of course he's not going to be on the roster. He didn't play all year. There's no reason to think he would. There was the group of, of people who said, well, he would have been a heck of a weapon to add as if he were, you know, this transcendent player that they hadn't had all year. And then there were like the people who made fun of him and tried to compare his migraine situation to Oscar Lindblom taking down cancer. And I just got to a point where I, I almost felt like I needed to take a break from social media. And I hate saying that, especially because hockey is on the way back, but in the circles that you roll in and, and the, the, the interactions that you have on Twitter, 
did any of this get taxing to you more than normal? Like I know that you, <laughs> you I, went I, through all that. Yeah. To ask me if this was taxing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's completely taxing. Um, I, I don't, I didn't get it either, Russ. Like, I mean, I, and I, look, first of all, I want to say this, I want to put this out there into the, into the, into the world, into the ether. Um, there was the flyers did not have to based on the nhl's rules they did not have to grant you and i access mm-hmm. to their press conferences and their post and their post practice stuff and all that stuff okay because we are not regularly down there at practice we go every once in a while but for the most part we're not we are not regularly at practice um, just because, you know, we, we have we jobs, we have other have jobs. jobs that yeah. prevent us from being there at that time. Uh, when, you know, if you guys want us to be there full time, uh, you need to, you know, send um, messages galore to Kyle Scott and, you know, make sure that he hires us full time and then we can do it. Uh, but no. Uh, so it, it, thank We need to thank the Flyers for giving us that opportunity because there's not, uh, there aren't a lot of non beat folk who have access to the coach and the players on a daily basis now, like we do. Um, I did know. my thank you last week, so I don't want it to come off as if I'm not grateful. No, no, no. I, I, I went through a big effusive thing last week, so. Which is fine. Apologies. Which is fine. Um, so, so we do have to thank them for that. That said, we, we live in a world now where, like, you can have Zoom calls with, what up to 500 600 people i forget what what, the, what it is before you have to go to that super next level um how hard can this be and i know that they're not using zoom they're using their own internal uh webex kind of kind of thing um i think that they were using zoom to pipe in from the reporters who were local maybe to the reporters who were in the room which is why there was so much bad feedback yeah but like again this comes back to my Trying not to be an ageist, but like there was a there was a tech difficulty that kept happening with certain reporters who I don't think understand how some of these things work. And my favorite was the one reporter who consistently would get called on at least the first few days for multiple follow ups that he never intended on because he didn't understand the hand up versus hand down function. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I I, I even had that a couple times. Um not me personally, but I mean, in a couple of the calls that I was on, you know, that, that happened. But the fact of the matter is, is that like, I don't understand why the league put such restrictions on this. This could have been an opportunity. I think this is the, where, you know, the NHL missed the boat a little bit. To me, this was an opportunity to really generate a lot of buzz for the sport and get a lot of people talking about it on social media. I mean, social media, as you know, in, in the last five months has been just a cesspool of misery um, and fighting and, and everything political and, and uh, all the, the race uh, fighting over, over racial injustice. That's all it has been. And it's been predominantly because we've had no sports, right? So there's been nothing else to talk about but those things. And I'm not saying that those things shouldn't be out there, shouldn't be discussed, but it's nice when you have a blend and you have something else to talk about so that it's not 24-7 the same thing over and over again. This was an opportunity for the NHL to really kind of get itself 
get a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff going forward. And they basically said, eh, we're only going to limit it to certain people who could talk, who could be present and be able to talk about it. I think that that was a mistake. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at it from a macro perspective, the NBA and MLS both had their training camps down in the Disney bubble. So no reporters were allowed. And, and actually the reporters who go down there and on the NBA side that their outlets are spending like $550 a day for them to be down there. They're not allowed to cover the team practices. Um, so that's, that's its own thing. The NHL and MLB both allowed for some reporters to be there. Our good friend Bob was down there covering, you know, Philly stuff from Citizens Bank Park where very few people were granted access. I look at this NHL thing and I say, okay, maybe you wanted to limit the number of people because every team has a different size practice facility. You wanted to make sure that you could distance and you didn't want to give, you know, Philadelphia, you know, 20 reporters and only give like Minnesota three or something like that, just to throw out a a general idea. But I don't understand why they wouldn't have gone with a, like a a signup process, right? Like have X amount of the traditional media that are down there and then have it open. There are five spots, first come first serve for, the people who aren't down there full-time or for the non-traditional folk, whatever it is, as a way to try to grow the coverage of the sport. It was weird to me. And I don't blame the Flyers at all. The Flyers have always been great to us. Yeah, The Flyers PR people have always been absolutely fantastic to us. We have no complaints on that end. This was not a Flyers issue. This was an NHL issue. And it is a bummer because I look at like what happened with Bob and the fact that like he had this great access to to the Phillies, you know, as they were working their way up to their second spring training. And like, that's great access. And there's really meaningful, useful things. And the way that he was using social media as a person who understands how to, there was a lot of eyeballs landing on the videos that he was putting out through his account, through the Crossing Broad account. And then I look at what happened on the NHL side and like, there are people who are down there that I know know how to use social media and yet weren't. And I, I don't think that there was a block on it. I just think that like at some point you're trying to take in so much information or you're trying to observe and, and you just don't think about it. But like the team's Twitter account can't be the only place that you go to find content. And that's why, you know, you and I do the Press Row Show. And so for the people who have picked up the show over this pause, by the way, our audience, which is very nice, our audience has continued to multiply month over month. So the word is getting out about the show even more, which is great. We do the Press Row Show which we're going to continue to do through the postseason here, but we're going to have to do it from the comfort of our homes. We obviously can't go down to Wells Fargo Center to press row, and there's no reason to. There's no games happening at Wells Fargo Center. But, like, wouldn't that be hysterical if we went and sat on press row at Wells Fargo Center while if, they were playing in Toronto? If we can get in there and they want to have, like, the stadium, they want to, like, do the goal horn and everything, like, I'm all about it. I'll go down there. We could sit together. It'd be fantastic. But, like, we'll do the press row show, and, like, that's a good way that we utilize social media to promote the team because so few outlets do a good job of providing that in-between period content, right? And because mm-hmm. we're not really up against it with a ton of advertisers. We can pretty much fill a 15, 20-minute block with the occasional ad read for a sponsor, and we do good breakdowns. I just don't get it, but it's fine. I don't want this to come off like you and I are bitching and moaning about our access or, or lack thereof as a, as like a way to take down the league. It's not it. It's just that like, I think that there, you, you and I agree, there was a way to promote the league and to promote some more excitement. And I think they kind of missed the boat as a league on this, but let's talk about what's next. So 
the training camp happens and it's still in the process of happening. Were you surprised that Nolan Patrick was left off? Let's just start there. I think you're, I know where you're was I surprised. No, I was not surprised. Um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty damning that a guy when the entire league is off for four months, it's an, it's an off season. It's really an off season and he's not able to be ready to, to go after now, whether this is him not being ready or whether this is the team saying, "Eh -eh, we don't, we don't want you right now. We had a, we had a good thing going. We don't want to mess with the chemistry. I mean, that could, could be that too, right? They don't want to, they could be, could be a little bit of that in there as well. It could be a lot of reasons behind why he didn't return. Um, but it's pretty, it's pretty damning. I think that, that he's not From at the least period. on the, in the depth chart, like the, you know, they have extra forwards. The fact that he's not one of them is, whew, that's a big, that's a, that's a big, uh Oh, I think that to me is where there's like a little bit more of a concern. I'm not surprised by any stretch of the imagination that like he wasn't going to make the final roster. I thought that he would be skating because he had been skating prior to the, uh, the pause. I find it concerning that a year after the initial diagnosis of a migraine disorder, he's not at that point where they thought they could legitimately get him ramped up to participate in this camp. And I, I, I think I've said this before, but like, I obviously hope that for the human being, Nolan Patrick, that they get this under control and that he's able to eventually contribute to the team. I've said it many times before. I don't think that the Flyers are in a position where they can sit around and wait, and he does have an RFA status coming up, and you kind of wonder what that contract is going to look like or if they even make an offer. I think they will because if he goes on and lands somewhere else and you know ends up regaining some kind of form or, or living up to the number two overall pick hype, then you look terrible. But I do think it's a little bit of a bummer. I do think that people went kind of overboard with it in that, like, I saw people saying that Oscar Lindblom just beat cancer and he wanted to play. He wanted to get back out on the ice. And Nolan Patrick has headaches and can't. And, like, that's beyond minimalizing. And it's also kind of offensive to anybody who suffers from migraines or migraine disorder to, to reduce them to headaches. Um, I do think that, like, it's a bummer that he's not there. But I also think that, like, some of the over-the-top sensationalism and like the over the top positivity about it is the other thing about Twitter that kind of drives me nuts. Like I made a comparison that in 2017, he was drafted second overall. Markel Fultz was drafted number one overall. And both of those guys are going to have just as much of an impact on a Philadelphia team winning a championship. It's not to be a jerk. It's just true. Neither of them are going to, to help or hinder a Philadelphia team's chance. It's a bummer. It's whatever. But then I saw people who were like, well, Nolan Patrick's going to come back next year and he's going to have 80 points and he's going to make everybody eat their words and he's going to be incredible. It's like, well, there, there's really nothing to support that, but okay, like you could live in that world, I guess. Like I call that a thirsty tweet and I say that that's just like to try to pick up people who are also looking to be like over the top excited without there being any base in reality. But some people make that their brand and I get it. But I kind of sit back and I think, like, you think it's... You I'm thinking think of it's, going that I'm thinking of going that route, Russ. Yeah, I don't think that would work for you. I'm thinking of going to be Mr. Positive all the time. If you got really positive, I think people would worry that you're being held against your will. 
<laughs> like, do you and I just change roles in that case? Like, do you become yeah, I, Mr. Positivity? And well, I you know what the funny thing is? is? You know what the funny thing is? I, I, I feel like I have rubbed off on you somewhat because when we first started this 90 episodes ago, yes, this is episode 90. Um, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Episode 90. Uh, when we started this thing 90 episodes ago, you were absolutely Mr. Positivity. And it made me seem even that much more negative. Mm-hmm. Now I think we've both kind of become moderate. <laughs> you're, you're moderate positivity and I'm moderate negative. This but is it, episode 86. No, it's 90. It's not 90. Continue. You, and you misnumbered things on the... F- no, we've gone through this before. Go ahead. Continue. Oh. Anyway. It's episode 86. Go ahead. I'm going I'm to fight with you later. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, anyway... Um, you, you know, think, I, it, you think I, you've rubbed off on me that I'm I'm more negative? Not that you're more negative. You're just not overtly positive like you were when you first started. Does that make I sense? Know. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe it was just me trying to trying to bring you bring you away from the dark side, a little <laughs> bit from the less bitter. You know, I'm just trying to. I'm like the simple syrup to your tequila or something. So, Russ, we've gone 29 minutes or close to that into this. I don't know how far we are. Right? It just looks like 29 minutes. Um, and the news of the day today, we are recording on uh, Tuesday, the 21st of July mm-hmm. uh, in the evening. But the news of today that had everybody all abuzz, all the hockey, Philadelphia hockey world going crazy, was in the midst of a scrimmage mm-hmm. today. That was streamed by the Flyers uh, Twitter account. Streamed on Twitter, right? The uh, franchise goalie, Carter Hart, and kind of just slinked off the ice at one point. Didn't make an announcement. Didn't do anything. Looked like it was just his turn to go out and the other goalie to come on. And I forget. I think Alex Lyon was his partner um, in the uh, on that uh, in the scrimmage. So Lyon came on to play goalie, and Carter just kind of you know meandered off the bench and into the locker room. And most people didn't even notice that it happened. Kevin Hayes um, said cool. after the fact he didn't notice it. Sean Couturier didn't notice it. Nobody thought anything of it. Yeah, nobody thought anything of it. Um, but of course, you know, the media that are in attendance, they notice he's not on the bench. Where did he go? Oh my God. Where's it at? I mean, that's headlines everywhere. Tweets ab- abounding. What's going on? What's going on with Carter Hart? Da, 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 da. And nobody could get a straight answer. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody from the flyers was talking. Um, and as, as is usually the case when you have a very minor injury or an injury that is, you know, not completely known, everybody plays dumb. That's just, the, that's just the nature of how it works. Well, then our good friend, um, my sub a couple weeks ago, Colby Cohen, uh, puts a tweet out mm-hmm. um, that he was told, uh, his report is that um, he was told that it was back spasms for Carter Hart. And, and basically, we say, they say back spasms. I can tell you that that just could mean tightness. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's got that throbbing, spasming muscle in his lower back. It could just mean tightness. They sometimes just label it back mm-hmm. spasms. Um, but that they, are, they were minor, they are not a major concern, and they expect Carter Hart back on the ice in a couple days. I don't put much stock into that. I would be worried if it was a groin because he's had mm-hmm. the groin troubles before. You get a little tightness in your back. could just be the way you try to make a save at one point. Maybe you just kind of twisted it a little bit. Maybe um, you've overworked a little bit in the first training camp after yeah. a, a long break. Yeah, it could just be 
look, there are things like that that happen to professional athletes, not just hockey players, but professional athletes uh, across the board that we never even hear about, right? This was just because people saw him leave early. And so it sent up into a furor. I'm here to tell you that I wouldn't put a lot of stock into anything with this. That this is this is a nothing burger. I think Carter Hart is fine. I think he's going to play against the Penguins next week, and I don't think you have anything to worry about. If I'm wrong, then so be it. Then I'll sit, I'll sit here and say, hey, guess what? I blew that one, guys. I I got that one wrong. I'm telling you right now, it's it's okay. So when you can all you know, stop holding your breath. You can stop, you know, you can uncross your fingers. Uh, you know, you can, you can stop saying your little novenas. Um, you can, you can stop worrying. Carter Hart will be fine. And he's going to play next week. I might clip that and just save it for later and, uh, and, and use that against you in a few weeks when uh, Brian Elliott and uh, Ustamenko are your goalie tandem. Um, so a couple of things. One, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but Carter Hart actually fractured six vertebrae in his back and Jake Voracek has COVID. I don't know if you knew that because based on the way that many of our uh, peers in the media have treated things over the last day, you would think that the world has ended many times over. And I don't know. I think we get to a point where there's a, a legitimate question of are people just out of practice because it's been – months since we've had to consistently cover a team is it mandates from some of these traditional media outlets to get clicks because sales are down newspaper subscriptions are down write something put it on the site get clicks try to get subscribers to the site and like write things that might not be true write things that have a a whole lot of speculation in them and pass them off as maybe a little bit more I don't know if it's that or if it's just that like people are bored, but like this thing was weird. The over the top nature of people once again, having a mental breakdown that Carter Hart left the ice and then being upset. Like I saw people saying almost without using the word cover up, declaring it was a cover up that the flyers hadn't come out and made a statement yet. And my point was, and continues to be, would you rather them, have all the facts and give you an intelligent bit of information and and get it right or throw some crap out there that they later have to retract. And then you as the public end up sitting back and you and I would do this too. We would sit there and say, wow, they weren't exactly very forthright in that. Now, were they? If the team comes out and says, hey, it's no big deal. He had some back tightness, NBD. And then a week from now, we find out that he had herniated a disc in his back. What are people going to say? They're going to be like, wow, those flyers, they just didn't know at the time. They're going to say, no, they tried to cover that up. They tried to get them to play through it. They're a bunch of crooks. We know how this works. So the fact that people were so upset that the team didn't release, you know, a, a statement 10 minutes after the team left the ice seemed a little bit silly to me. I, like, I, maybe we just need the games to come back. Honestly, because it was like, it was that and, the the Jake Voracek thing the other the other day that he was deemed he, unfit. He was and then, so good. And then he, he called so out good. he called out everybody uh who was, you know, speculating that he might have had COVID and talked about the fact that, you know, the 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 players, despite, you know, making the salaries they do, they still deserve some kind of privacy. 
and that they shouldn't be obligated to tell everyone what's going on with them at all times, which I agree with. Uh, I feel like we've just kind of gotten into this like sensationalist thing. And maybe, maybe these, maybe can, these can guys we, just need to go can south. We, can we go, go north? Okay, sorry. Can we talk about his quote? Because it go was ahead. one of the greatest quotes go ahead. In, in a long time. Yeah. The best part about Vorchek when he does, gives this quote, and I'll, I'll read the quote, but um, the best part about it was his expression sitting in that chair <laughs> on, the, on the conference, video conference with the media was one of, it was, it was so good. I mean, if you haven't seen it, like Russ, I'm sure Russell tweeted out or whatever, but um, it, it reminded me of Paul Holmgren when Michael Barkan said that they just the goalies just let up another goal when the fire alarm went off in the middle of his interview with Homer. <laughs> it was so like, screw you. And he comes on and he goes, I feel good. Why are you asking? You guys panic so much, it's not even funny. Holy bleep, you guys are making it sound like I'm dying or something. Everything's fine. <laughs> it was so I, he's the greatest. He's the best. There's nothing. There's there's nothing. Nothing like him in town right now. Uh, but he he's certainly number one as far as he could. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what he you know how it comes across. He's just going to be honest. He's going to be blunt, and he's going to tell you that you know when you're. He's going to tell you when you're when you're wrong. He's going to tell you when you're stupid. You know he's going to hold you accountable. That's what's great about Jake. He's going to hold us accountable. So if we ask him a stupid-ass question, he's going to give us a stupid-ass answer or tell us that we're being stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's, great about, that's what's great about Jake. So I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I sat there and I was clapping in my, by myself in front of my computer screen as I watched it laughing out loud saying, attaboy, Jake. You, you tell him. You let him know. I would have loved to have been there for it, but he blocked me. So... Um, uh... <laughs> There have been only a few times, I think, in all of the Zoom calls that there have been standout moments. Uh, that was one of them. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, that was one of the few. I do think it's interesting that um, I, I want to kind of pivot to something else. I think that it's, it's been interesting to see the way that these guys have talked about getting back into the swing of things and the way that Elaine Vigneault has worked on getting – this team ready for camp and, and has gotten them to kind of gear up day, day by day, uh, getting the pace of play back up and getting the urgency back up, but doing it in an, in an intelligent and kind of respectful way of the players and, and understanding that some guys had better access to ice and to gyms than others did. And you kind of take that and you take the fact that multiple players have said that he's deferred to the sports science staff and to nutritionists and such. And I come back to Elaine Vigneault is a very intelligent guy. He knows how to set a team up for success. And his being named a finalist for the Jack Adams trophy is about as well-earned as I think anybody, uh, you know, in, in all of hockey. If, if you had to put money on it between Cassidy, Tortorella, and AV, who gets the Jack Adams? I think it's Vigneault, and I think it's a slam dunk. I mean, look, Cassidy, Cassidy inherits a team, you know, or not inherits, but, I mean, 
when he became coach, he inherited the team. But, I mean, he's coaching a team that was, you know, in the Stanley Cup game seven in the Stanley Cup final a year ago. And, yeah, they were great. I mean, Bruins were playing really well before the, the pause. Um, and he's only, a really good – The only, only team to hit 100 points. Yeah, and, he, and he's a really good coach. So, the, the, you know, there's no knocking him. He's, he's a deserving candidate. Um, but let's be realistic about the fact that that's a team that was already good um already really really good and they just continued to be really really good yeah so i don't know how much of a great uh, you know coaching job it was when they were this good a a season earlier tortorella i think is number two i think um considering all that columbus went through from the end of the um uh 18-19 season into this season, losing Bobrovsky, losing Panarin, um, and then to be as good a team as they were, and even though they were floundering there right before the uh, right before the pause, they were decimated with injuries, and that's why they're a team that when I think this thing starts back up is a are a dangerous dangerous team, because if they get if they're playing the right way, if if Tortorella has them playing the right way. I think that they're a good enough team to, to kind of make their way through not just the opening round, but, it, you know, they can win two rounds and who knows beyond that. Um, so I think that he's a, certainly a candidate for keeping that team afloat. Uh, first of all, for making them be good at, at the beginning of the season and then keeping them afloat after the injuries. But Vino took a team that was mediocre, took a team that just was – mired in the muck of the middle of the pack kind of mentality for so long and turn them into a Stanley cup finalist, uh, potential Stanley cup finalist, um, in the span of what, seven, 68 games, 69 games, whatever it was that they played. That's that to me is a coaching job. And I know it's not just him. I know he's got great assistants, both of what, you know, well, Mike Yo and, and um, uh, Michelle Tarian, who were former NHL head coaches, um, and of course Lappy's the, the other assistant coach. But um, but those guys, you know, with the experience that they all have, and, and taking a roster that was pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, that you know, you added your Kevin Hayes, you added um, you know Justin Braun and Matt Niskin, and they, and you know Tyler Pitlick. They all, in different ways, contributed and and, and made the team better. But if, if you just sit there and you pull those four guys out of the mix and put four other people in there, yeah, the team's probably not as good, but I still bet you Vino would have found a way to have them be better than they were last year. And that tells you all you need to know about the coach. So um, I, I think that of you know the Flyers have three folks up for NHL awards, Vino for Adams, Couturier for Selkie, and then Oscar Limblom for the Masterton, uh, Masterton Award. Mm-hmm. I think Vino's got the best chance of winning. And I think they all three have a good chance of winning. Obviously, they're all finalists. Um, but I think if you said if if you said to me, Anthony, one only one is going to win, which one is it? I think it's Elaine Vino. Yeah, I mean, to me, like Cassidy and Tortorella are almost they're almost being nominated because of their front offices in in kind of like flip side sort of ways, right? Like you look at what 
Cassidy has, you know, you, you called it inherited. And, you know, in a, in a sense, it's kind of fair. But, like, Don Sweeney's done a good job building that team. Has done a good job of continuing to fortify that roster with talent year over year. And if Cassidy walked away or Cassidy were, were, were replaced, I don't know how much of a drop-off there would be or if there would be one at all. The, the flip side of that is, like, Tortorella's in the conversation because his GM lost a lot of good talent. And I don't know about you, but, like, that to me isn't a reason to nominate a guy. And by the way, if, if it weren't for the fact that the NHL adopted the setup that they have now and, and if the season had continued – Columbus was in a situation where like it was very a realistic possibility they wouldn't have made the playoffs. And then there's a question of does Tortorella even get nominated at that point? Like, I don't know. Can can you say like if if the team had finished three points or four points out of the postseason and they were predicted to be one of the two or three worst teams in the league because of the amount of talent they lost? Does Tortorella get votes? Probably. Does he, you know, does he end up being a finalist? Probably not. So then it really comes down to, do you reward a guy who coaches the best team in hockey? Or do you take a guy who picked up the mantle for a team that went through arguably one of the worst and most chaotic seasons in modern NHL history, a season where the team fired their GM and their head coach in the same season, a a year where the veteran players and the younger players on the team seem to be almost at war with each other from time to time throughout the year, a locker room that never felt cohesive a year ago when we would go in, even after wins, it felt kind of down and, and it felt like we were in the middle of the doldrums. And yet here we are a year later and, and it feels like the entire script has flipped and you're seeing a cohesive locker room. We've now had multiple players. You know, it started with Kevin Hayes saying that this is one of the tightest teams that he's ever been on. He said that earlier in the year, and he reiterated that multiple times. Nate Thompson uh, was on a call with the media last week, and he even said, I mean, the guy played, what, four games with the Flyers before the pause? And he even talked about how close the team is. And the fact that, like, he wanted to get to Voorhees early so that he could start to kind of link up with some of his teammates again in person and just spend time with them because there's this overall culture that AV's brought to the table that like all of a sudden guys know their roles and that kind of takes a lot of pressure off. You find success. It takes a lot of pressure off. It lets you get to, to know your teammates, to bond as a group. AV's done a great job. You can't have, I think it's almost impossible to have done a better job than he's done with this team. If he doesn't win the award, we riot. I, I like legitimately we pitch fork and flame. We go and we riot. We find Gary Bettman. We find his hotel room. We don't go in because of uh, protocols. We wait outside the hotel with pitchforks and flames. And we say that this is a disgrace and we all drink martinis together in AV's honor. It would be a disgrace if he doesn't win it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's a disgrace, but I, I do think that he's the leader in the clubhouse. Like I, I think he's got a, a comfortable, a comfortable lead too. Right. So, so comfortable um, leads. You mentioned the Selkie. Yeah. Patrice Bergeron was just nominated for his NHL record ninth consecutive. Well, he's, he's a ninth consecutive season as a finalist for the Selkie. Sean Couturier, had he not been screwed a year ago, would have been writing a three year uh, finalist streak 
as it as it is. It's uh, two finalist spots in three years for Sean Couturier, a guy who I brought up by the way, in his first year in the NHL, Yaramir Yager said that he doesn't he hadn't thought at that point that in his career he had ever seen such a young player at 18 or 19 years old as Couturier was in his rookie year be such a good defensive player. And he said at the time that he thought Couturier at that age was the best defensive forward they had on the team. Where do you think Sean Couturier's chances really lie? Is this Bergeron's, you know, is this his to lose? Or is this year that Sean Couturier gets the honor? No, I, I think they're the three best two-way forwards in the game. All three of them. Um, and I think it's kind of, uh, I think it's a small toss-up between the three. I, I know I'm going to sound biased, but I thought Couturier deserved it a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get it a couple years. He lost to Bergeron. And I felt he's, like... He's won it four times. Yeah, I, I, I felt like that was a situation where the media didn't really do you know give Couturier the justice he deserved they nom they felt like oh okay he's a finalist for the first time okay he he deserves to be among the in the conversation but we all know Bergeron's the best player best two-way forward well that particular season Couturier was a better two-way forward um this year the uh hockey writers um the PHWA Professional Hockey Writers Association um they put out a mid-season vote for all the awards that they vote for, like if at, at the 41 game mark, who at that point would they have voted for? And Couturier was their vote for the Selkie. And I don't think that there was anything that, that Bergeron or um, O'Reilly. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly did over the last 25 games that would have said, oh, yeah, man, we missed the boat on this one. These guys, you know, they, they were so great in these 25 games that they vaulted themselves ahead of Sean Couturier. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like, so I, I look at it and say, while I watch the three players play and, and think that they're all pretty close, if the hockey writers had it Couturier at game 41, how do they not have it Couturier after game 68? Like, I, I just I, – I don't see the, where the difference is there. So to me, Couturier wins that too. Although I do think the players are, are are closer there than the coaches are. I think that the coach is more of a slam dunk, but I think Couturier is also a front runner. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it just in terms of like pre and post All Star break, if that's what you wanted it to be, uh, Couturier averaged 0.86 points per game uh, prior to the All Star break. 0.84 after the All Star break, his goal scoring was actually up. And I know that that's not the thing that this award is, you know, uh, really decided on. But they do look at, at you know, you as a two-way forward and making sure that, you know, you don't totally fall off. But um, there was nothing about his play in the second half of the year that should have led any of those writers who had otherwise thought of him as the Selkie winner halfway through um, for him to fall off. Pierre Lebrun actually put out his, uh, his list and he, he said that he would have picked Sean Couturier first. So Pierre Lebrun is now a friend of the show, is welcome on whenever he wants. He is a friend of Philadelphia. Anyone who voted against Sean Couturier can burn and be banned. Uh, 
just for the record, Pierre Lebrun likes to tell everyone that he's from the same hometown as Claude Giroux. How about it? Little Hearst, tiny little Hearst, Ontario, as he likes to say. So I want to talk about Claude Giroux, and I want to talk about James Van Riemsdyk, and I want to talk about Justin Braun and Brian Elliott. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but we like to look at the human side of hockey because so often that part is left out, forgotten. And I think it's that way with, with really all of sports. But when these players opted into um, returning to play, when the NHLPA had their vote on the RTP protocols and the CBA expansion or extension, um, it seemed like a lot of times, you know, people kind of discounted or, or, or downplayed the importance or the sacrifice that you make as a player to come back and, and play. And the reason that I mentioned all those guys is because they all mentioned in their media avail- availabilities a week ago, Giroud did not, I don't think. I don't think I was on one with him. Um, but I, I bring him up for a reason. But the other three, Van Riemsdyk, Elliot, Braun, it was all brought up about uh, leaving families behind. And James Van Riemsdyk I thought was in a really weird position maybe an unenviable position because he was the Flyers, you know, representative. He was their player rep with the NHLPA. He was on the return to play committee and he was kind of in a position where I don't know how he could have opted out even if he wanted to, but he's got a two month old daughter who I think was born the week before my daughter was born. And so conceptually the idea of leaving your wife behind with your two month old daughter is like something I can't fathom. And I don't think that enough people have kind of given the thought into like the kind of mind game that plays with, you know, that plays on you as a human being. Brian Elliott mentioned that, you know, his kids are of the age where they ask when daddy's coming home. And Justin Braun said it was really hard to leave uh, his wife and child behind. And you, you kind of start to think of it and we're both dads, you know, it's easy to say, Hey, you go away for a month and a half, two months, you make a lot of money and you come back. And that's true macro perspective. And like when it's all said and done, you look back on it and you say, all right, that sucked, but it's over. But in the moment, especially with young kids, it's hard. It has to be hard for these guys. And the point was actually brought up. I forget who it was now, but one of the players brought up that there's actually a mental health line. Uh, and there's a, there's a uh, hotline to call if they're feeling down. And I think there was uh, a player had brought up that, uh, somebody within the organization could try to like set up a, a call or something with families. But if, if you were in their position, like, do, do you think that it's, it's fair to see so many people just kind of downplay the effect that that can have on, on a guy as a human being to be away from his family? No, I mean, I, it's, it's not, un, you know, look, we have to understand that they are human, right? We have to understand that they are no different than you and I. The only difference between them and us is that they have an elite talent that they get paid a lot of money for. But other than that, emotionally, they're just like us. They're no different. And they're young, right? They're, they're figuring it out at this point. I mean, they're, they're, some of them are even younger than you, mm-hmm. right, trying to figure it out. Some are right around your age with young families, you know. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that gets missed when it comes to the human side of hockey um but that said and and while I, I while i you know i get it and i understand what you know what they're going through and how hard it is and stuff like that 
I, I'm not. I, I think that the NHL probably has it the easiest of of all the sports right now because it's it's not as lengthy a situation unless you're really competing for the Stanley Cup. And at that point, it's like is it's certainly worth it, right? Um, right now, you're in training camp. You're in your home city. You know, you're in the house that you were in back in March when you, when, you know, when the thing shut down. So nothing's different really for them yet until they go to the hub city um, next week. Uh, and then you're, then you're in a hub city for a few weeks um, minimum. And at that point, it's, 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 it's like a lengthy road trip, maybe a little bit longer than usual, right? Normally, like you, every year you have the, one of those two week road trips, right? That are just, sure. they just drag on for 14 days. This one, you're probably looking at one that's going to go a little bit longer than that, right? Guaranteed to go probably about, you know, 17 to 21 days. Okay, fine. It, you could be done at that point. And if you're done at that point, then you go back home to your family. And it's, you're no worse for the wear. It's, it's part of the job. It's typical. I, I think that the group of people that you worry about the most are the, is the next group. The group that maybe loses in that first round of 16 um, – quarter you know whatever and or the quarterfinals the 16 or the eight like that group where you have to put in another two weeks for the round of 16 and then another two weeks for the, the round of eight um the, that's a group that's now away from their family somewhere from five to seven weeks um straight without you know i mean obviously you have communication but without contact and that's a group that you really have to feel sorry for when you get down to the final four and yes, they're now at a nine-week stretch or eleven to twelve-week stretch, and you say, "Oh my God, it's so long to be away from your family." Yeah, but at that point, man, like, put yourself in their position. Are they really worried about the fact that they haven't seen their wife, wives, and kids at that point, or are they sitting there saying, "Holy cow, we have a shot to win the Stanley Cup"? Like that. Well, what do you what do you think the focus is at that point? So that that group, once you get to that point, I don't worry about it. So like I said, to me, it's that group that's going to get eliminated in the round of sixteen and the round of eight that you sit there and you kind of feel bad for those guys because they didn't get the reward of going far, but they also were away from their family for longer than they used, than they normally would be. Well, there is a thought, and and it has been brought up that potentially um, by the time the conference finals roll around. We know the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final are supposed to take place in Edmonton, assuming that the uh, the flood damage wasn't that severe. Um, that it's possible that they're going to allow families in for uh, the conference finals uh, and the Stanley Cup final. I don't know if that means in the stands or just in the hotel rooms, but it, it is something that's been kind of thrown, you know, bantered about. So I wonder, um, you know, to to I guess put a bow on this one. Elaine Vigneault had been asked about it last week and he did say that, uh, you know, it's kind of the life that you choose and that these guys are fortunate. And, and he lumped himself into this, that these guys are fortunate to do what they do for a living and that it's a sacrifice that you make sure, but no one really has the right to complain. So, um, anything else you wanted to get to? Yeah. Hit me. So Russ, Guess what got posted today? Um, I don't know. So there was on uh, um, Turnkey. You know what Turnkey is? I do not. Okay, so Turnkey 
is a um, it's a it's a sports and entertainment um, company that helps to that helps professional sports and even some you know, minor league sports um, fill positions. And there was a uh, job listing on Turnkey today uh, for Spectacor Sports and Entertainment to hire a vice president of communications. Interesting, right? Sure. Briefly, I'm not going to read the entire uh, um, position summary, but just kind of give a little... Uh, a little uh, little snippet. So this person will be reporting to the president of business operations for Spectacor Sports and Entertainment. Um, that would be uh, Valerie, uh, who's in charge of this. The vice president of communications will develop and implement proactive, distinctive, creative communication strategies that promote the company's strategic priorities. Okay, sounds very very, you know, legal language, right? This executive will oversee all communications for Spectacor Sports Entertainment, including the strategy, planning, development, and execution of the organization's internal and external communications, as well as public relations. Here's some of the duties and responsibilities. Um, uh, Proactively approach PR risks by bringing issues and roadblocks to the leadership team's attention with solutions and ideas. Uh, lead a communication team of five to seven, including evaluating, structuring, hiring, training, developing, and mentoring staff while building bench strength and promoting a diverse and inclusive environment. I mentioned that one for a reason. We'll get to that in a second. Um, they want to drive earned media for the flyers and other promotion and sales events. And this one I thought was interesting. Prepare senior executives with talking points for media and conference appearances, in addition to anticipating tough questions and equipping these leaders with the information to effectively present. So what you're saying is you and I should split this job is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> no? okay. so, so I actually had someone say to me today, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you should apply for that. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to they're, they're gonna hire me they after, love all that, yeah. after all that I've put out there about. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I just kind of wanted to mention about this is that you know, a lot of these responsibilities sound from my day when I was when I was working there sound a lot like what Ike Richmond used to do when when Ike was down there. Now Ike's been gone from the organization for a few years, um, and his replacement was Tim Buckman, who we've talked about briefly on on this program before. Uh, Tim is the uh, was the spokesperson for Dave Scott um, and Val Camillo. Well. From what I understand, a um, couple of my little birdies that I talked to, you know, down at the organization, ah, ah! Um, sounds like Tim did. Tim Tim's still employed. He's still working there. Just kind of made um, what they consider a lateral move, where they've put him in the same position, dealing with esports. An important their job. Franchise. It's an right? important job, yeah. Okay. Um, Sarah Schwab, who's part of the PR team, has kind of been handling these responsibilities for uh, Comcast Spectacor at this at this point. Spectacor Sports and Entertainment, as they call it. 
but they're going to be looking for a new person. Um, now we, we chronicled uh, a couple months back the hiring of a new director of marketing mm-hmm. that they brought in from outside. Mm-hmm. Someone they saw, out- have they announced it yet? Nope. Well, he's working. He's there. He's, he's, at, he's yeah. his name's on his name's on marketing stuff, right? So yeah. I mean, it, he's employed. Yeah. Um, but they brought in someone from outside, someone without professional, major professional sports experience. They only had minor league sports experience. Um, and now they're going to be hiring this person. Can I make a suggestion? Go ahead, Russ. Wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be a, a nice thing? given that the NHL has been promoting the concept of hockey is for everyone. Mm-hmm. What if the Flyers made a hire of a person of color? Would I, it's, it's a great idea. The organization has been progressive in that um, they hired Val Camillo from the Nationals. And I believe to that point was the highest ranking woman in, in Comcast Spectacore's Umbrella, I believe. Yeah. Um, at least to that point, it would seem that this would be a really nice opportunity to try to get somebody who might have different thoughts, different life experiences, perhaps, into a role like that. Just saying, throwing I it agree. out there. I agree with you, Russ. I think it's and a I'm great not, idea. I'm not saying that they need to paint themselves into a corner like Joe Biden did for his vice presidential pick, where first he said he, he was going to pick a woman and then a woman of color, and now. Um, that limits your pool a little bit. Not saying the Flyers have to do that. Not saying the Comcast Spectacore has to do that. But I do think it would be nice to see a person of color. Well, it, it would role. be it would be nice to see a, a person of color in in almost any role there because um, while it's not one hundred percent Lily White, it's pretty close that most of the people who work down there look a lot like you and me. Um, and uh, although hockey tends to be a sport that you know a majority of, of the people who participate in the sport are white. That doesn't mean that there shouldn't be diversity. So, you know, look good on the flyers for hiring someone for another vice senior vice president position. I mean, this sure. is the second time they're doing this in a couple months. Um, actually, this isn't really the flyers. This is spectacle sports entertainment. It over, it'll be very closely related to the flyers, but it's, it's not the, the team itself. It's, it's Spectacore's employee. Um, but yeah, you're right. It would be nice. So Val, um, we know you're listening. Um, uh, yeah, you know, make sure you bring in a couple of folks of, uh, uh, uh you know, of people of color and, and, uh, really give them, uh, a real consideration because it would be, it would be a good thing for your organization to, to add someone, especially in these times, uh, of that. Um, ethnicity there you go yeah interesting anything else you wanted to bring up i no i got nothing else it was like a little bit of uh behind baseball a little bit a little organizational stuff we like to bring those things up here on snow the goalie the only flyers podcast the people's podcast players podcast prognosticators podcast presidential podcast pdla podcast pampers podcast pronger cast canoeble cast pooling cast Sharp cast. Next week, we'll have Mike Keenan on. Um, I wanted to, just before we get out of here, we did have a, uh, we've had some, some reviews come in, Anthony. And, um, I have. Yeah. I actually, 
I saw that um, there has been a, a little bit of an issue, I believe. Uh, I have seen some people put things out into the Twitterverse uh, about people leaving negative reviews for other shows in the world um, and for people. I don't, I don't know what that's about. But for us, we're getting five-star reviews, and it's really nice. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's hit this. So here's the first one. This one is from T-Power89. And if you look for it on Apple Podcasts, you won't find it because this one came from the UK. And we've outlined this before, but people who leave reviews in other countries, they are rerouted to this like other mysterious land of Apple Podcasts. So we have a program. We have it's, uh, my pad, mypodcastreviews.com where they aggregate all of them together. So I don't have to go through 125 or 130 different uh, stores looking for reviews. Anyway, T-Power89. Five-star review with the two sirens, like how I like to set up really important tweets. Very, very late to snow the goalie over here in Manchester. Having listened to another Flyers podcast, BSH, for the last four years. I don't... There's another Flyers podcast? What? Although I value what Charlie has to say. Charlie's not on this show. Uh, but I am fully converted to STG. You guys are up there with Chicklets and 31 Thoughts. I think he's talking... I think he's talking about Charlie O'Connor, who we like. Charlie, the athletic. Uh, loving catching up with older episodes with former and current players. Keep up the good work. P.S. Anthony sounds like a Dane Cook uh, from Good Luck Chuck. <laughs> Did you, do you have a clip? <laughs> I don't have my audio set up for it. I, I could. I could if I really had to. But I don't know if I agree with this. Um, there are a few different reasons for this. Now, I, I remember reading this to you. I think I sent it to you in Slack one day. You got yourself all excited. You were super hyped for the moment. And if I remember correctly, you had said something to the effect of, like, it was a, it was a true honor. And then you said something about, like, how there was a clip that you found and, and you thought it was, you know, you and I. But it didn't, it didn't look like us. It didn't really sound like us. Uh, do you like being compared to Dane Cook? I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a great comparison, especially that scene that I that clip that I did send you. Is there profanity in that one? I forget. Yeah, I think there was. No. See, I don't want to go with that. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it really quick as we uh, do good pod. Oh, you found it? I found the clip. Hold on, I just need to make sure that we're not gonna have the profanity because this is the thing. We like to have our show be something that you can listen to with the kids in the car. And not have to avoid an f bomb every uh, thirty seconds. Yeah, I um, I'm ten seconds into the clip that you sent me, and the guy <laughs> talked about taking a hit of something like a bong from a body part. Nope, we're not using it. We're not using that clip. Let me see. Can I find the part where just Dane Cook talks? Because you compared me to this guy to Dane Cook's friend in the movie, which is very offensive to me. <laughs> I don't understand the comparison. Um. This is, oh, because he throw. oh, he hits an old lady with a Frisbee. No, I'm not doing this. <laughs> no. You know what? For next week's episode, I'll try to find a clean clip that we might be able to use, but I, I can't use this. this is no, you not, can't. This is not under any circumstances of the, of the standard of Snow the Goalie. We can't, we can't use this. So if we can find it, we will uh, for next week. But as it stands right now, I am not playing that clip on, uh, on the podcast. And we had, we had what I'd like to now deem a new segment 
of Snow the Goalie. We're going to call this the Lee C. Review. Yes, the Lee C. Review. It's not a, a review that you can necessarily find on Apple Podcasts, but it is there. It's just that Lee C. keeps updating her five-star review. And so I'm going to read the last couple. Lee C. left a five-star review uh, back in the beginning of July. Five-star review uh, for Colby Cohen interview. A real winner with Colby's insight and friendship on Oscar. Colby was an excellent replacement for JR, and his overall insights are very good. He's done a nice job at NBCS Philly and on his national hockey broadcast that he is involved in. I'm looking forward to the uh, JR review. we got to talk about that, Anthony. Great job, guys. Continued success with your podcast. I will point out that Colby Cohen and I uh, exchanged uh, a few messages today. I think there's a chance that we're going to be doing something with Colby Cohen as the, uh, the hockey playoffs start rolling around. So stay tuned for that. And then Lee C uh, about a week ago updated that with another five-star review for the emergency podcast that I did with NRD, an insightful session on the RTP and CBA voting and eventual site selections. Um, I had seen Elliot's post. I believe that's Elliot Frieden's post regarding uh, lobby's contract demands and no surprises with devil's ownership. Your guest NRD was also very good and knowledgeable. Great job guys. Continued success with your podcast. Now look, that's the Lee C review. That's going to become a new segment on the podcast. As long as Lee C continues to update the same five-star review, I'm here for it. I'm fine with it. And we will read it. Yes. But Lee C, if you cross us, if you leave anything below a five-star review, I'm not reading it. And you will be forever, forever wiped away from the history of this show. Don't cross us, Lee C. We like you. We appreciate you. <laughs> anything else, Anthony? No, I got nothing. Or should I call you Dane? Uh, listen, we will be back and I have a little bit of news here, a little bit of news for the people waited till the very end so that our longest listeners can sit back and enjoy this. We are just over a week away from the return of the press row show. And I'm working on something special for the press row show. Um, I will tell you, if you go over to crossingbroad.com and you read what, um, Bob wrote, uh, a thing about the way that the production is changing of some of the pre and post game shows over on NBC sports, Philadelphia. And then you take into account that they don't have that many games, uh, that many flyers games on the schedule right now um, until the postseason schedule is out or whatever. Uh, I don't exactly expect the NBC sports Philly coverage to be, how do I say this in a nice and respectful way? I don't expect it to be, um, exceptional or in depth. Now you and I over the, the last year and a half or so have gotten plenty of messages and tweets about how um, the TV coverage leaves something to be desired. And I think it depends on who's on the panel. And I think it depends on a lot of different things, but the press row show thousands of people check in every game and we're going to continue rocking and rolling with that. Like I said, I think, uh, we might even see Colby Cohen pop on that show from time to time, which would be a nice little, uh, nice little get for the show, I think. And uh, my dear friend Anthony over there, anytime you get to look at his glowing face and listen to him live and listen to him complain, and the only problem here is he's not going to have any excuse to not be on time for the show, uh, for the Press Row show, and he's not going to be able to get up uh, and walk around for four minutes while he goes and gets himself a brisk iced tea and brings me nothing back. So on a positive note, we're in. We're in for the long haul. We're excited. I know Anthony's excited to get back to hockey. The Press Row Show will be back. Snow the goalie at least once a week. Depends on how far the Flyers go. Maybe if they make a Stanley Cup run, 
maybe we'll go to two times a week. I don't know. You have to stick around. In the meantime, follow us over on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad. Those, of course, can always be found in the episode description. You don't even have to like know how to spell. You just find them, you click on them, and it takes you to the page. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can find us on Instagram, at Snow the Goalie. Find us on every podcast app known to, to humankind. You've got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Google uh, Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. You go find it. Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Anthony, I don't know about you, but a week from today, we're going to be sitting back, enjoying ourselves as we watch some Flyers hockey. And just in case we're not there, just in case we get delayed in the episode, what's your prediction for Flyers Penguins? <laughs> for, for an exhibition game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stoke the flames. Uh, Flyers win Five two. I don't know. It's an exhibition game. <laughs> Flyers win seven one and make that uh, baby Sydney Crosby wine. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Talk to you next week. <laughs>